Hey, it's Danielle Laporte, and this is my podcast called With Love, Danielle, because with love. Essentially, it's a one-woman show about my explorations into self-realization. Every Thursday episode, I answer a Q&A, and those questions come from the audience, from listeners, people like yourself. You can go to daniellelaporte.com with love to submit your question. These are adult conversations, typically, FYI, and I'm sitting here in my living room recording them, so you are going to hear the sounds of my neighborhood in East Vancouver. Welcome with love. This is episode number 22, and I committed to doing 25 episodes in this first series. So that means we have this episode and three more left. Here's what I want to do. I've received a lot of really substantive, deep, well-written, messily written, gorgeous, gushing, articulate, precise questions that are so good. I mean, a lot of them just like, huh, I gotta, I gotta think about that. And the rhythm of this series has been on, you know, on Sundays, I do, I just preach. And then on Thursdays, we do a Q&A episode. So since we're winding down in this season, uh, today, I'm going to do as rapid fire as possible response for as many questions as I can get in. Or you know, you know what? We're just going to see how it goes. <laughs> I may just answer one question for three hours. <laughs> We're going to go with the flow. Uh, I'm coming back after this series. Why? Because I love it and I feel useful and I feel lit up and it feels practical. And word is... It's helping with some ahas and illumination and some relief, really, I mean, at the end of the day. If I can just, if, if anything that I've experienced or come to know just for myself personally can create just a speck of comfort and awareness of common ground, which means a little less loneliness for anybody, I'm game, and I'll keep showing up. Yeah, uh, do you want to do a little behind the scenes today? Since we're on our final leg, he, this is what it. This is how this whole production goes for me. As I've mentioned before, I sit in my living room. I'm always on the floor. Basically, I'm a floor dweller. <laughs> I have a tiny, teeny tiny little gas fireplace, which I look at as a, just a giant candle, and that's always on. I have. A disco ball, which is somehow essential to this process. And there's always something that I bring in from outside. Like right now on the base of my fireplace is a handful of acorns that I picked up on my last walk. I just love whatever I can bring in from nature without being destructive. And just some lavender that I had in my backyard. And today, well, for the last week, every morning that I've woken up, the word I hear is gentle. And the term I hear is gentle action, vigilant thoughts. 
I might have to write a whole book just on that. But for now, that defines my week. So gentle for me means I'm just going to stay warm. I'm going to have my turmeric and ginger tea. So good for for uh, combating inflammation that builds up in our system from sugar and gluten and toxins in the air. Hey. And I'm in my yoga gear because I'm committed to recording this and getting to yoga. And I have all my questions in front of me on my computer. I prefer to not have the computer on while I'm recording. I am uh, I'm committed to planting trees for all the trees that give their lives <laughs> to A, my books, and B, I am a printer-outer of things. I need to hold paper in my hands and make notes and just be quiet. I don't want any screen at me. What else can I tell you about behind the scenes? Oh, I think maybe this is the important thing. Well, I meditate definitely every day that I'm going to be creating a podcast. I meditate pretty much every day. There's days that I miss, and part of my practice that day is to be compassionate with myself when I miss a prayer session or a meditation. Um, But the prayer today before sitting down with the mic on is, Thy will be done. Okay, let's let's do questions, and I might have some answers. Wait, no. <laughs> See, this is what happens. I'm getting really sentimental with us coming to the end of this series, and I just want to say super-duper deep thanks for the really positive, loving f- feedback, all the responses, all the reviews. That's what I was looking for, the word reviews on whatever platform it is that you are listening to this podcast. In terms of business, those reviews really help to create more visibility for the podcast and how that works in my mind and in the mind of my team is that visibility helps us get more love and comfort and potentially truth and definitely positivity out into the world. So super useful. So without being all fucking gimmicky about it, If you want to do just a little thing, if you're inspired and have the minute, if you want to do just a little thing to help get something that is light-filled that you resonate with that could comfort somebody else out into the world, leave a review. It's really helpful. That's part of the network of, you know, this thing called social media. And the reviews... I only read the good ones because those are the ones that my team sent to me. I don't know if there's been bad ones because years ago, I just decided to, I can't, I can't, (laughs) I can't read the shit because it just sticks in my consciousness and then I get all skewed and, you know, the, the, the most negative and detrimental thing about believing a negative review or the kind of the kink it creates in your flow is that personally for me, it then restricts me from really being a full service and and showing up with all the love and the light I've got to give because I'll start to censor myself. I'll start to worry about what people th- are thinking. I'll start to get paranoid about being misunderstood and the politics of the time and la 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 la. So I try to not this is so ironic. I've just said, please leave reviews, but I'm not going to read them. I do the lovely ones. They make it down the stream to me and I sip on them and think, oh, this is working. Meaning 
comfort is happening and strengthifying. I just made that word up. And uh, yeah, I'm going to keep going. Okay, so what I promised today was answers to questions. This is such a unique question that's coming in. I do not know if I have explicitly asked for people's permission to share their full names when I use their questions. So I'm just going to bow to this woman named Laura. And here's this really unique and fascinating question. I live with an illness that affects a lot of aspects of my life, but the most obvious to me anyway is how it affects my memory. There are events that most people would consider major that I only have a vague recollection of. Entire conversations totally wiped from my memory. So all this to say and ask, when doing reflections on the past, however long, a year, decade, life, etc., I get exceptionally stressed out because I know I am missing major events or things that are important to me. So here's a question. How do I deal with that and reconcile that while trying to improve myself now and in the future? Wow. I'll tell you why I love this question. Because even though this is an exceptional experience, I mean, this is not something that's the norm for most of us losing chunks of memory. Although I know a lot of us can relate in different ways. It's like there's times when, you know, you've got baby brain. I know a lot of us are struggling with brain fog and then aging can set in and the result of that might be memory loss, doesn't have to be. But this particularly as a result of an illness is a really unique situation. But I think it's a portal to talk about presence. First of all, I want to say blessings, uh, compassion, and honor for how you're responding to this illness and just wow. I also want to say that, like, who am I to say? It's not something that I'm struggling with. So just take what you want here and leave the rest. I wonder if this is an opportunity to really deeply be present. Like, what a lesson (laughs) in living in the capital now when you are unable to currently access past memories. So I, I just want I want you to hear the word currently because things could shift. You could heal in ways that you might not even be able to imagine right now. And you might be able to access those memories that are dormant. So there's that. So the practice of presence, because all mystical teachings have been telling us <laughs> since the beginning of time when it could be recorded that the now is all that is real. And I, listen, I so understand how cafuddled that can feel, how inaccessible, how illogical, how basically unhelpful the concept of now being the only thing that is and that matters can be. I know it can be a mind messer, but it's true. (laughs) And if we leave room for mystery, if we have compassion for our struggle with the discomfort of that very theory itself, then we can actually be more present. And from the present, 
is where the future unfolds. Like so much of what we need, I mean, really the great mystics will tell you everything, but I'm not quite that enlightened. So, um, so much of what we need right now to be well, to be sane, to be in equanimity, to, in, to be in balance and harmony, to experience love and joy is right here, right now. It's in the breath. It's in our thoughts that we are vigilantly choosing to think. It's in the medicine that is gratitude. With breath, with vigilantly loving thoughts, and with gratitude, we can always be in what is here, in the truth, in the great flow. We can be riding on the wave of the infinite. And not having memories to interrupt our experience of the present can actually be a gift. So that's one thing to consider. The other thing to consider is my personal belief. (laughs) Is this. I think that all experience is registered on the landscape of existence. Now, I could really get into splitting esoteric hairs here, and we could go off in this other direction. Well, let's go off in that other direction for a second. If it's true that only love is real, again, this is a premise of A Course in Miracles and many mystical teachings. If it's true that only love is real, then anything that is not love actually never existed. Illusions, anything that is not love is an illusion. And if it's an illusion, it didn't ever really happen. I know that's a total mind bender. So I'm just going to park that. (laughs) And maybe we'll unpack that as the years go on. It's a lot to be with. But let's go in this direction. All experiences are imprinted upon our soul. So just because you don't remember it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Because you can't remember it now does not mean that you won't remember it again in this lifetime or in another dimension. It happened, and and the basket of your human spirit is carrying that. So maybe there's some comfort in knowing that it's still held and it's being honored in another dimension. So back to the original question. How do you deal with and reconcile your memory loss while trying to improve yourself now and in the future? You do not need to worry about, focus on improving yourself in the future because the future hasn't happened. Maybe you're going to get to tomorrow or three months from now and realize you're not broken, there's nothing to fix, that you've come to a place of profoundly deep, expansive, and inclusive acceptance of yourself. So let's all just not worrying about improving ourselves tomorrow. However, (laughs) I'm going to replace the word worry with respect to our approach to today. May we all attend to how we can be as present and as whole as possible right now. And would that not be an improvement to how we probably regarded ourselves this morning or an hour ago or yesterday, thinking we were less than, we were broken, we were faulty, we were born with original sin, all the things that we need to 
atone for and be forgiven for and make up for all the mistakes and the errors and the fractures, yeah? Oh, God. You see why there's such a fine line where self-improvement can become self-criticism. And this is where I have to ask myself and all of this, is everything that we are doing to improve, to be well, to be whole, actually improving us and making us more whole and more well? Are we trying to fix ourselves or are we trying to expand our possibilities? Are we trying to make up for what we regard as defects and flaws and how behind we are on our personal evolution? Or is everything we're doing to be whole and well actually about being more loving, right? So we can be doing the same things, eating clean and meditating and praying and listening to personal development podcasts and having courageous conversations. So all those actions can be the same. But what's the motivation underneath those actions? Is it in the spirit of, I'm flawed and I'm behind? Or is it in the spirit of, this is a joyful pursuit. This is deepening. This is bringing me closer to the truth of who I am and of life. Is this an act of self-loathing? Or is this an act of love? Shall we do another question? Yeah, let's go. Beautiful question from Margaret, who has just become a mom to her son, Elliot. And Margaret's speaking of her and her husband having been raised Catholic, but didn't really practice in in a traditional sense. And the question is, do you have any advice or can you give some insight into the conversations you and your son have had around spirituality? So here's how Margaret states her hope. My hope is that Elliot knows God, Spirit, and Mother Nature intimately while teaching him to be kind, love others, give back, forgive, leave a place better than he found it, etc. Yeah, beautiful. So I get a similar question a lot at speaking gigs when women stand up and ask, should I be teaching my kid all the things that I've learned about wellness and spirituality and self-improvement, or should I let them figure it out on their own? And my answer is, teach them everything that you work so hard to learn. That, I believe, that is our job. My job is to brainwash my child into the most positive, life-affirming mindset. And if he wants to diverge from that, when his own thinking and philosophies are more developed, then he is free to do that. But I worked really hard to figure out what I have figured out. I have been lost. I have been found. I have been distracted. I am very centered and I am very grounded now. I live what I currently believe is my truth. That truth may change, but right now I'm putting all my money on this spiritual thing working out. I know that essential oils are a form of plant medicine. And I am living because of the earth. I am one with plant life. And just like a friend can give me great advice to ease my pain and to help me take another step on my journey that day, I can work with 
essential oils and herbs and different forms of plant life to help comfort, heal myself, and get sacred information. So you bet that my kid gets doused in very particular essential oils on very particular days of the week and seasons and the right place of his body all the time. And does he think that's funky? No, because that's the belief system that I'm raising him in. I'm just using essential oils as a really basic example. And also using that that example to explain how you know how powerful essential oils can be it's not just stuff you go pick up at whole foods although this a lot of the stuff you're we're picking up in health food stores is full of synthetics and it's just really been pillaged and it's not pure just get the good stuff yes back to belief systems and indoctrinating our own children i know that prayer and contemplation and meditative practices help me feel more loving more expanded um help balance my brain chemistry and help me be a better person. So I am teaching my kid to do all of those things. I know that gratitude has exponential benefits in my life. So my child and I have been involved in a gratitude practice since he was just little, where we would go to bed and we still do this. Three gratitudes almost every night before bed. And we answer why. So I'm grateful for having a home. Why? Because this is where the people I love hang out. This is where I create. This is where I'm warm. This is where I'm safe. This is where I get to be well. Uh, And the list goes on. You know, my belief is that being specific about why you're grateful for what you're grateful for helps increase the sensation of gratitude. And that is just like amping up your frequency. So Bring it on, full on, full tilt. If you believe, I mean, this works for everybody, you could be a really restrictive, um, evangelical, God-fearing, and I'm putting that in, a, you know, in the most negative sense, God-fearing, nasty parent <laughs> who is using, quote-unquote, religious-slash-spiritual doctrine to manipulate your kid to obey and to buy into a fear-based system. Yep, that is one form of parenting. That is one form of preaching and indoctrination. Our job as parents, as guides, as caretakers of children is to indoctrinate them into belief systems that are life affirmative. So just own the honor of your job as a caregiver to infiltrate them with knowledge and beliefs that will help them form their perspectives. And then my prayer is (laughs) that those of us who own that responsibility and that sometimes challenge and that calling is that We are filling our children with life-affirmative thoughts, with positivity, with love and radiance and beauty and truth and wisdom and ideologies around joy and contribution and gentleness and inclusivity. Yeah, whoo, do it. Preach. Preach to them babies. And don't hold back. 
Don't hold back. Be passionate about what you currently know to be true. And big semicolon here. You have to be willing, of course, to learn and evolve and change your mind and refine your beliefs as you grow. I mean, this is the path we're all on. And have the courage to change with your children and say, you know, I used to think that, but now I think this. Or I just I just heard that talk, or I just learned this, or we're going to try this prayer, or we're going to try this meditation. And they're going to see you growing and expanding and searching and discovering and celebrating, and they are going to be learning to do the same thing. And that is what it means to be conscious and loving and really here. Yeah. Next question. This one is super practical. This is from... Claudia, or maybe it's Claudia. Claudia from Germany. Um, I have a full-time office job, a long way to commute, and my head keeps telling me that I cannot, quote, afford, end quote, to take time off for what my soul needs. I feel I would need to take time off, go through things, and that that might take too long. I guess there's a lot of fear. However, could you maybe talk about how to integrate desire into a life that includes an office job. Yeah, I can talk about that. I remember saying to a Buddhist meditation teacher who was really living a deeply devout life, like they were practicing all the time. They, this, like this was a monk kind of person who also ran the business of being a monk and, and having a responsibilities of a monastery, et cetera. I was like, I got a job. And I got a kid, and I don't want that to hold me back from being more enlightened or closer to God. So how does this, what, work? Uh, and he said, well, there's, all, there's room for householders on the path to enlightenment. Well, there better be, <laughs> because I'm not, as much as I toy with the idea of running away from everything when my son is <clears throat> up and out, and do adulthood. I do have none like fantasy sometimes, but A, uh, I really love men, and B, no, it's not my path this time, but I do have to reconcile my inner nun with being a householder. So just knowing that there was that, that term, householder, in the Buddhist vocabulary, and that there was space and honor for those of us who watch Netflix and have jobs and some of us still eat bacon and we make the bacon and we were nonetheless behind the spiritual eight ball or any less worthy from someone who had taken vows and shaved their heads and was living a full-on monastic life. So I was like, whew. There's room for me in the food chain of enlightenment. So there's that. doesn't even matter if there is that and that some outside group or entity or so-called authority is sanctioning your value as a spiritual human being with a day job. The fact of the matter is, is that you have chosen the life that you have chosen and that is your path and that whatever you've chosen now is your portal to embrace empowerment today. Next thing, you've got to say no to, retire from, reject, stop doing anything that is not supporting 
your nourishment, your joy, your wellness practice, like all that toxic stuff of overworking, of overconsuming, of overshopping, overeating, of overscheduling, overbusiness, oversocializing, all that is getting in the way of your devotion to the higher and to your heart. Your heart is the access point to the higher. At least mine is. I don't know if any everybody's wired that way. I think some of us enter through the mind, but for me, I'm a heart centric being. So there's that. So two points. Householder, you good. <laughs> Stop doing list. That's great. All right, here's my third and final point about this. Let's talk about the word that you put into quotes, which is afford to take the time off. So I don't want to use scare tactics here, but let me just try to make this useful. Um, can you afford to be sick? Can you afford to be depressed? Can you afford to not be living your most easeful, happy life? Uh, because if we continue to make choices that are in favor of, I'm going to be really dramatic here, if we continue to make choices that are in favor of death versus life, then we will, death is going to start to show up in our, in our life. Sickness, mental wellness struggles, viruses, brain fog, yeah? And then we're really faced with practical life affordability of we have to take the time off because we've got no choice now. We need the three weeks or the six months or the year off to repair our system. It's going to cost us major investment in supplements and healthcare funds. And I was just going to get into a whole rant there about healthcare funding in the US. I live in Canada and I have a beautiful medical system here. It's not perfect, but we have a basic belief that if you are human and you are breathing, you deserve healthcare. And we are all in this together and we're mostly going to take care of you. So healthcare is free here. It really works. Everybody should try it. Yeah. So we have to make choices on behalf of our wellness today. Not, I'm going to work so hard and I'll be, I'll enjoy my wellness in the future. Yeah. I hope that helps. Claudia from Germany. Thanks for asking. Hey, hey. Far be it from me to be righteous about anything in terms of personal development, but I think you'd be a better, sweeter, sexier, more fulfilled, lighter in consciousness, happier, calmer, less anxious, more hot human being if you meditated. I just happen to have something for you, a really beautiful series of meditations and visualizations for nourishing your nervous system, tapping into your creativity, just really learning to bask in the prana of what we refer to as the Divine Mother, for using all of your sweet will and good intention and channeling that love and that light into Mother Earth. Such a beautiful way to create seva in your day. They're gorgeous. And does it sound twisted to be proud of 
creating a meditation kit? Is that like, is that like a spiritual taboo? I don't care. <laughs> I feel so blessed to have co-produced these series of meditation kits with one of my greatest esoteric teachers. And guess what? We're giving you a deal. If you head to daniellelaporte.com slash meditations, you mention this ad. Is this really an ad? This is like public service for illumination. Anyway, when you head to daniellelaporte.com slash meditations, that's meditations, plural, enter the code with love. That's one word, with love, and you will get your 20% off of enlightenment. How's that for a deal? Think love. Think radiance. Think service. Think, ah, uh, yeah, think that. This is a very big question put in very simple terms from Claire. Danielle, how can I learn not to be afraid of grief and losing what I love? Ah, sister, let's talk for a minute about l the fear of losing what we love. This is the practice of presence to fully enjoy, honor, celebrate what we have right now and to, to root into and to bask into all the good things of that relationship, of that moment, of that abundance, that prosperity, that wellness. I've got it. I've got it now. I've got it today. And we know that, or we, I mean, this is a metaphysical theory, that we are creating the next moment and the next hour and tomorrow from this place of presence from today. So we could find some comfort in believing that if I'm celebrating it today, I am helping to manifest and foster more of it coming into my life tomorrow. There's that. And then there's the real practicality of things. We're going to lose. Odds are we're going to lose. We're going to fail. We're going to be heartbroken. You're going to die. He's going to die. She's going to die. They're going to die. The dog is going to die. May as well celebrate it. Fully love it now. Fully express your love for what it is that you love today so that when the time comes to practically part, there's no regrets and you are just saturated. You are woven by the love that's been expressed. Not having any regrets in the moments of departure <laughs> will definitely help ease the pain of the departure. There's that. And there's this. There will be pain. So much of life is so much pain. And for myself, my experience has been, I would say this is really just in the last couple years, of just like tenderly, gently, without resistance or... Hmm, not without resistance completely, because <laughs> I'm still here. Uh, I'm not a monk. With much less resistance, I accept that pain is part of being here. And that, and get this, it's not a punishment. It's not a sentence. It's not because I've done anything wrong. It's the way it is. And each moment of pain, each type of pain, flavor, occasion of pain is an opportunity for me to well, just remove that pain and be fucking 
spiritual wonder woman to expand to know truth to grow closer to my higher self be my higher self grow closer to god so my relationship to pain has shifted so now let's talk about grief specifically i'm going to answer this really big topic with a small poem grief is a magnificent celebration of the depth of your love she is one of the most powerful goddesses grief she swallows your agony and lets it tear her apart beautiful birds fly from her belly each one an insight into life and your power grief brings the whole flock to your window and she waits and waits to reveal universal truths to you grief goes to the depths with you and she rises with you grief will not rest until you swallow the medicine she made especially for you and you tell her the story of death and life this beautiful question comes from denise all right be forewarned denise says this is heavy i'm in a pretty heavy place right now one of your truth bombs says seeing the futility is liberating so just a side note here for those of you who don't know i have these decks like physical printed decks and i have an app called the truth bomb app where i put out these quips these one-liners and they're called truth bombs and one of, and they're all written in my handwriting and one of them says seeing the futility is liberating mhm okay so <laughs> All right, I'll continue with Denise's question. At first, I loved that concept. I could apply it to many a subject and keep things in perspective. However, I'm going through some kind of deep personal shift, and sadly, I'm seeing the futility in life itself. And in that case, I'm not loving the concept so much. On some level, I believe that it could be liberating to view it all that way. However, when in the throes of transition or whatever the effort is that I am currently undergoing, seeing the futility of life makes it void of meaning. Without a real purpose or meaning to all of the struggle and strife we undergo, as opposed to powerful beings coming from pure love energy, it just doesn't make sense that we need this kind of experience to quote grow or expand, or evolve. Human existence in itself is a form of entrapment. And my most prominent core desired feeling is freedom. It's hard to get around that. Any deep insights you might be able to offer to shed light on this and provide renewed perspective would be enjoyed. Woo! All right. <laughs> this is deep. Uh, I'm into it. I'm so into the deep. Let's go there. Okay, so first up, my truth bombs. Listen, you got to let me off the philosophical hook once in a while. These are just, you know, like what can I fit onto a three by three inch little card that could be potentially <laughs> useful or wise? So sometimes they apply and sometimes they don't. So there's that. Okay, but you're using this as a lever to get to the dark place that you're in right now. And I super get it. Do we want to see the futility of life? And could that be liberating? Um, 
I'll tell you what I think is liberating. Considering that life is futile and choosing to believe, perceive, know, and live otherwise, I think what you're grappling right now with is your own deepest truth, which in my belief system, your own deepest truth is on track to align with the universal truth that life is anything but futile. That just showing up and even doing nothing and even struggling the whole time is deeply meaningful, profoundly purposeful, is expanding your soul, your capacity, your power, and you are an essential, essential needed and required part, not only of human evolution itself, but of the evolution and the expansion of the cosmos. Anything but futile. And yes, when there is struggle and strife that seems to be beyond your capacity to rise to, to meet, to deal with. You just think you cannot take another fucking challenge when it's beyond our comprehension and all we can do is leave room for the mystery. Then, yeah, the logical, logical, (laughs) intelligent question would be, What's the fucking point? If we're not asking ourselves what's the fucking point, then we're just living in the state of zombification that I think so many, too many, a painful amount of us humans are living in. So just asking the question, what's the point? Is this futile? What's the point of suffering? That's an act of awakening. So now all I can offer is some potential hope based on my experience of struggle and strife and finding meaning in it. All right, so here goes. This is my my rant of hope slash optimism. Choose whatever works for you. We can debate on the dynamics of each word. Right now, I'm, I'm, I'm down with hope. I mean every word I'm about to say. Every single setback Betrayal, illusion, crying on my kitchen floor, brokenness, sense of despair, physical challenge, physical pain, chronic illness, thought forms that caused me harm, other people harm, every attack that I have delivered, endured, every dream I had that dissolved, every failure, every lost dollar, every stolen dollar, every stolen idea, any shitty thing anybody has ever, quote, done to me, end quote, been said about me, pain, humiliation, heartbreak, loss, grief, seemingly at sometimes unbearable longing and therefore perspective of unworthiness, of lack, of punishment, all that, all that, worth it. Do I want more of it? No. Do I want to run head towards suffering today or tomorrow? No. 
Am I asking for more of that? No. But all of it expanded me. Dark night of the soul, questioning why I was here, whether I deserved to be here, whether this was a mistake, questioning if who I thought, what I thought, what I felt to be God was even real, questioning loyalties, considering taking my own life. Yeah, all of that expanded me to be more loving to be more aware of how loved I am, of how much love I am as a being, and how loved I am by the environment and the humans and all sentient beings around me. All of that made me more loving. It made me more gentle. It made me more beautiful. It made me more attractive to what I want. It made me more aware of my power to create that which is aligned with joy, to create joy. It made me more prosperous. It made me more well, more sane, more healthy in my body, more vibrant, more strong, more yogic, more flexible. Did I say sexy? Yeah. Worth it. Meaningful. And I am so here to do my job, and it isn't without fear, but I am here to do my job to become more of all that, more of all that godly truth, and to do my itty-bitty part that is so majestic in expanding my own itty-bitty life that is inextricably connected with the infinite universe. Anything but futile, 100% meaningful, on time, and right now. Ooh, oh my goodness. Somebody just asked me about shoes or something. All right, let's keep going. Should we keep going? Yeah. Oh, here's a beautiful thing about this whole podcasting experience. You know, we can see a crazy amount of specific data from who listens and how long you listen for and where you're listening from and all that, your blood type and what you're wearing while you're listening. And, you know, want to know the really cool thing about us, as in you and me in this relationship called a podcast, is that the vast majority of listeners, like 99.9% of y'all, listen to the podcast in its entirety. And that's super cool for two reasons. First, I'll give you the shallow reason why that's really cool. The shallow reason is that statistically speaking, that's not the norm. You all are exceptional, which means maybe, maybe I might be a little bit exceptional in this game because apparently the average stat is around 84% of the, the podcast itself gets consumed. So people are tuning out before, before the end. And I'm really happy to know that whether I do a 14-minute uh, episode or like a 70-minute episode, everybody's hanging in. We're like, we're in it together. So <clears throat> I'm just going to ramble. And it was a great learning for my team because I like, D, cut it down, keep it short. <laughs> People, attention spans, just 20 minutes. And I was aiming for that, but I could never, I can rarely 
not often stop at 20 minutes because I got things to say. Uh, and you're listening, which is great because I'm talking. All right, I'm going to keep talking. Here's the next question. This is from Anne. Anne with an E. I have been through so much pain in the last few years processing childhood trauma. I feel both like totally giving up and at the brink of the life that has been waiting for me, but I don't know if I have the stamina to find out. Yes, yes, you do. Of course, I will choose to find out. I knew you would. But this is so damn isolating to be in this space. And that's coming from someone who loves being alone. Here's the question. Does this resonate at all with you? And here's my answer. Yes. Let's end with some love, shall we? My dear friends, DJ Drez and his beloved Marty Nico with I Am Love. And that, I think that's the answer to everybody's question. Thanks for being with me. Until the end. Thank you so much for listening, for feeling, for spreading the word. You can find me here in a new episode every Thursday and every Sunday with love.